Hello everybody, David Roberts from GamesRadar here. Uh, now, you're all probably wondering why you're hearing my voice and not the dulcet tones of Anthony John Agnello. Well, it turns out a bunch of people are over at PAX East this weekend, so it's up to me to host the podcast this week, and uh, you're, you got to put up with me. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, this week we talk about GDC and uh, some of the cool panels and events that we saw uh, we also talk about our week-long experience with the Nintendo Switch and how we feel about it after spending seven days with the system. Uh, we talk about how the system is doing as far as sales. And last, we close with a discussion uh, digging into Zelda Breath of the Wild again, but in the context of how it's open world and games like Skyrim sort of coexist while also offering something different in the video game landscape. Listen on. You lied to me. All those times I said that I love you. You lied to me. Yes, I tried. Yes, I tried. You lied to me. Even though you'd know I'd die for you. You lied to me. Yes, I cried. Yes, I cried. Return of the Mac. It is. Return of the Mac. Come on. Return of the Mac. Oh my God. You know that I'll be back. Here I am. It was that like one goes out. <laughs> to Anthony Agnello. Wait, wait a minute. It's currently a PAX right now. Wait a minute, that wasn't <laughs> was Anthony like the... Agnello? <laughs> no, that was not. It's not. You notice something is different right now. What is going on? I thought that was William uh, Shatner there. Man, that was great. Yes. <laughs> um, I am David Roberts. I am hosting. I'm ta- I've taken over the airwaves today. Uh, yeah, we have uh, half of our team is either out on vacation or out at PAX East right now. Uh, hanging out in the the frigid tundras of Boston, Massachusetts. So uh, I am your host today. Um, you have to put up with me now for the next hour or so. So uh, I apologize in advance. But yeah, so um, strong we'll start, good down. buddy. What's up? Strong start, good buddy. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, we. Yeah, second you can string, totally tell y'all. That I, second string. I do this. <laughs> Often, uh, Anthony John Agnell has a—he has a more powerful presence than me. I think more powerful. I'm—I'm I'm a good co-host, I'd say. But uh, you're the oh, Andy we'll Richter duo's Conan. I have faith. Huh? Right. Well, re- yeah. You, you know, Andy Richter had his own sitcom for a while. He struck like out a season, own. though. Yeah, I like a so. season. <laughs> I, you know. It, this but is he season, did it. Dave. <laughs> he he did it. Yes. Much much love to the co-hosts and sidekicks out there. Let's let's get it. Let's get into it. Uh, so with me today, I have Connor Sheridan. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. Yeah. Second week in a row. Yes. Yes. Woo! And uh, returning guest Anna Washenko. Greetings. Yes. Uh, and we will we will get into all all of the things that. We always seem to talk about, like, whenever you come on the show, it's always either Blizzard, uh, Skyrim, or, <laughs> yes, something uh, in those in that realm. I have a and thing. And we'll be getting into that <laughs> I have a thing, guys. Later. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a right. great problem. So, uh, so, Anna, you were at GDC. That I was. Uh, la- last week, right? Uh, time is blending together these days, so that was that was last week? Yeah, it was the very end of February into early March, and it was amazing. This was my first time there, and uh, yeah. wow, it's Candyland for creative people. It's so great. <laughs> Just everywhere, all over, all over San Francisco, all these amazing nerds 
being nerdy about the things that they nerd. So good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was really great. I I got to see a lot of cool talks, a lot of smart people. Uh, Jason Vandenberg, the For Honor man. I just I would listen to him talk about anything. He could... Oh, he is a uh, he is a presence. I remember seeing like when they announced it at E3, oh. and he shows up with his beard and his cane. I'm like, oh. yeah, this dude seems all right. <laughs> he's he's pretty all right. I would listen to him tell me what he had for breakfast that day. I, I and yeah, he was he was well, he speaks fantastic. with he speaks with purpose and vigor. It seems like he has a very specific way of speaking yes what what really impresses me about him is the number of rings he wears because you know you're (laughs) dealing with a serious person when they have more than i'm gonna say two rings on at any one time yeah dude's got at least two dozen yeah one one ring is like well you know like you're either married or it's just a statement that you're making like two rings it's like okay but like any more than that and you're officially in like okay this guy he's He's doing something. <laughs> I mean, if he died, it would be like a fountain of loot, like in Diablo. Not that I want. <laughs> you are really not don't. wrong. You are not he would wrong. Like, he'd have his plus one cane, and then he's got all of those rings, and then I mean, probably the beard too. But I mean, you know, long may he live. Really, don't want to see that loot fountain <laughs> oh, yeah. anytime soon. So that was. But anyway, about GDC. Yeah, yeah we got was... into a dark place right away here. <laughs> oh my god. This is gonna be a great show, y'all. Great show. Uh, so that was always a highlight, uh, getting to hear him talk. But I think my actual favorite panels were about two great games that came out last year, uh, Reigns and Mini Metro. And oh, neat. they were both so good. The the fellow from Reigns, first of all, I appreciate anyone who can be that funny, not in their native language. He was just mm. so dry and incredibly smart and very, yeah, very witty. I liked it. Um, but he did have this really cool talk where he showed a lot of the behind the scenes stuff of kind of the the iterations of the game and uh he made it all in a in a spreadsheet like just all of the you know if this then this and kind of the odds of balancing which cards come next and it was just it was such an it was not a game that had actually jumped out to me that much when it first came out like i played it for maybe 15 minutes and got the this is cool it's a you know dig on tinder this is clever and all but now I, I have so much more respect for just how much math and how much careful plotting and breaking of their systems and ideas went into that game um, mm-hmm. so that's that that was certainly a highlight um, and then also mini metro there the ui designer for mini metro gave a talk and uh first of all he starts it off with you know the the team approached me the game was already in development and uh, they asked me to do some UI work for them. And I guess his response was, sure, that'll take, what, like two weeks, two months, and two years later, <laughs> they actually finish it. Um, but that was such an interesting talk because to me, so much of this game is about how simple it is, how minimal. And the idea of how many iterations they went through where it was just this continual pulling away of information. Um, so that was another one where their work in progress screens showed kind of different areas where they would have icons. There was like popping out of information. There was more text. And if you play the game now, oh, wow. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's so spare. There's yeah. There. And I guess they thought initially they had to have more information. They wanted to, you know, make the onboarding process smoother and then realized, you know, our, our players aren't dumb. 
they'll figure it out. And also, it's okay <laughs> for them to maybe stumble around a little bit. It's okay for them to be confused. And if you make it a compelling enough experience, they're gonna they're gonna stick with it and they're gonna keep trying. So that was those were my my highlights. A little for honor, a little rains, a little mini metro. It was just, yeah, it was it was a good time. If if you have a, an opportunity to go to GDC, I highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, I I've always wanted to go. It it always seems just like whenever I see panel details sort of leaking out on Twitter or uh, like streams and stuff, because they 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 post up video archives of a lot yeah. of the streams up on YouTube and stuff, and just watching some of those and and just going like, oh man, like how how cool would it be to actually be there and just listen to these people and let information sort of wash over you. It's super um, cool, super overwhelming. I mean, every every hour there were probably about four things that I wanted to see. And so trying to plot your best course of, well, this sounds cool, but this person is amazing, or I loved this other game they worked on, or, well, sure, maybe I want to learn about video game animation. And BT Dubs, video game <laughs> animation is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> in I case y'all didn't know <laughs> there, there's a I've lot been, of people there doing a lot of work i've been to two gdc's i think and each time i felt like the guy who shows up to burning man like but not you know on on drugs just like hey I heard <laughs> burning man's cool what's going on over here uh and it's like everybody just looks at me like you're ruining it but, I, mean, I just thought this was a cool camping trip, guys. I don't, why is everyone <laughs> weird now? It's on heard, vacation, I, yeah. I heard, I heard Imagine Dragons was going to be here, you guys. <laughs> um, no, it, no, it's not that anybody was unwelcoming. Everybody is super nice. It's just like, you know, you're surrounded by all these creative people who are like, you know, maybe they're super high-end AAA running massive studios, or maybe they're like indies doing their own clever little things, but... Like I just felt like you know what what whoa what am I doing here what am I contributing to this culture <laughs> I definitely uh, had since, that <laughs> yeah especially since like we as media like we just get to go whereas the a lot of developers yeah, we have to, to pay go free. that's the, the worst part that's so amazing yeah. and so yeah so guilt inducing <laughs> yeah which I mean like the, the there's a lot of stuff going on at GDC that we can cover. Like Lucas was, he was uh, a running around and playing. Like he got to play the the new Lord of the Rings game, Shadow War. He played a bunch of the Nintendo indies and stuff. Um, and so, like, there's a lot of stuff for us there. But also, like, it's it's just this really amazing uh, educational opportunity for uh, a lot of people, mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, did you get to play anything cool there or were, were you just there mainly for the panels? I was just there for the panels. I was, I was sitting on my butt pretty much the entire time. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it, it definitely, I think every panel that I went to, I took away something interesting and some little nugget of, huh, I hadn't thought about that, or I'm going to check out this person or this book that they mentioned. It's, it really, I think is going to have a big impact on how I play games in the future and what I pay attention to or how I critique them. It's, it's just so much fascinating nuance and detail about the business, about the design. Uh, so yeah, it's, it was a pretty amazing experience. That's really cool, yeah. It's also interesting to see GDC is kind of becoming like a weird way for game publishers and developers to advertise their games like nintendo had a panel there where they were talking about 
um, sort of how Breath of the Wild came to be and how they built that game. And you got all these really weird nuggets, like they, they apparently built a NES Zelda Maker type thing to prototype all of the different systems that Breath of the Wild had. Huh. Uh, and they also, like, they, they, there were a bunch of different drawings of, like, well, since we want this game to be different, like, what well, we need to make Link look different, too. So here's Teen Link on a motorcycle. Here's Link with the backpack and a bass guitar. Like, like all these different weird pictures. And it's, like, those are really cool nuggets of information. But it's also, like, that talk, I think, was a day before Breath of the Wild came out. Mm-hmm. So it's also, like, a way for basically, like, stealth advertising for their game. Which is weird and interesting and kind like i don't want to say gross because there, there's at least like there's good information coming out of that but it's also like gdc has sort of transformed a little bit since i remember uh reading about it like years ago you know it's certainly a massive endeavor i mean they take over all of Moscani center and i got the impression that you know maybe five to seven years ago, it was like one wing <laughs> and barely yeah. full. Um, so it's it's great also though, seeing how many people are so excited about it. Um, again, whether it's a, a small indie duo that's there just to, again, kind of make other connections and meet other people. And again, maybe try to put the word out and try to get eyeballs on their on their project. Or it's it was really cool seeing this whole community behind the final product. And again, you know in, in your head, like, oh, it's, these games take a while to make and there's a lot of a lot of work that goes into them, but it's, it's really different seeing the people, seeing the faces, seeing how many of them there are working on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's also made me a lot more forgiving about when they push back deadlines and launch dates because <laughs> it all <laughs> makes so much more sense now. <laughs> I understand. I, uh, like, I don't, it's weird, like, you, you, you're in this industry for long enough, and then you learn enough things, and you start to, like, you start to think, like, it's kind of a miracle that anything gets made. Yeah! Like, it's just, there's so many moving parts, and it, like, and I don't just mean that about video games, I just mean that, I I mean that generally. How do we do anything? (laughs) How do we do anything? Everything just feels like lightly controlled chaos most of the time, and then, you know, every now and then we get a cool game out of it, which is, you know... Kind of miraculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you compare that to just, like, sitting in a cave and poking at, you know, rocks with sticks and it's like... <laughs> you know, I mean, a whole lot of stuff has to go right for us to get to, from one point to another, right? I mean, it's like... Yeah. We go whoa. from Caveman to Nintendo Switch, <laughs> Segway... How I did far? it. I did an Anthony segue. How <laughs> did far it. we've come. You did it and you called it out. Um, it's not I a did, segue I when you call it out. Damn it. <laughs> I'm bad at this. I'm sorry. Um, You're doing great. But yeah, so so the uh, the Nintendo Switch has been out for um, a week since we've, uh, since today, since we're recording the podcast. Um, and yeah, so Connor and I have had a week to, to mess around with it, to, to play Zelda to play a few other games. Uh, Anna has not picked up a Switch yet, and uh, we're, we're going to sort of talk about our thoughts about like where we think the like the Switch is after a week, how we how we like it. Um, how are you feeling about it, Connor? Uh, I'm still feeling pretty good. 
I have not played it outside of the house very much at all. Like uh, one time, it was yesterday actually, maybe the day before that, I was going to pick up my wife from work. And so I brought it along because I thought, you know, she might be late. And like as I was getting it out, she came out. So I was like, well, I guess there goes that testing opportunity. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the, the screen's nice and bright and it's not too big. It seems reasonable. As for using it around the house, you know, I'm still liking it quite a bit. Um, I've mostly been using the Pro Controller, but even switching to the just the weird Joy-Con grip thing, like, um, oh, I, th- I think we mentioned this before, but currently Blaster Master Zero, which is another game I've been playing, actually, for, for some reason, doesn't have Pro Controller support. But Yeah. Uh, so you have to actually use the Joy-Cons, um, which is kind of annoying, but on the other hand, I've kind of liked, you know, it, it forces me to actually use and consider these different control options that switch has and i mean the grip next to the pro controller you know it's it's, it's not bad it's not bad it's yeah not as good in terms of just like comfort but uh it's it's considering all the different like the, considering what a freaking switch army knife swiss army switch army <laughs> knife, hey switch. hey, hey uh, swiss army knife those things are um it's really impressive how good they actually do feel yeah, uh, I like. I kind of worry sometimes that Nintendo, because Nintendo likes to overcomplicate things, right? Like they've they've done it ever since the Wii, where it's like, you got the Wii remotes and you got the nunchucks and you got the the classic controller and all these different attachments. You got to hook up your sensor, and it's just like it, it feels like they're like even with Switch, even with that ad, like the the ad, it was like okay, so it's a console that you can take with you on the go mm-hmm. like that's cool and then they had the reveal and it's like actually these controllers are joy cons mm-hmm. and they have hd rumble and you got this thing you can <laughs> stick them in and it's like but like even with all that i feel like the the uses like like there's not an an overabundance of options or connections that that it like overcomplicates things it's more about giving you options of how to play yeah and they've presented good arguments for each of them as opposed to you know like hey maybe you should buy this plastic wheel to put your wii remote in so you can play they have have one of those coming but they haven't (laughs) you know made that a selling point (laughs) right um i wonder i wonder if mario kart 8 is going to come with one of those like because the mario kart for the wii came with a with the Wii remote wheel um that'll be interesting to see and I wonder like if they're gonna add new kinds of joy cons that you can buy to like for different games and stuff I I don't know if like Nintendo wants to complicate things too much but I mean well do they anything to make money I guess do they want to or will they (laughs) important distinction yeah I mean you know Nintendo loves plastic toys and they love throwing as much plastic at, at you as as they can. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're gonna do like fashion stuff. You know, like just look at all the covers that they did for the new 3ds, and mm-hmm. the potential for doing that with the Switch Joy Cons is great. Although it's a little bit of a bummer that they cost freaking what eighty dollars for a pair. So it's yeah. a little bit little bit less fun to accessorize with that. But then again, you know, I mean, it's. You don't you spend more than eighty dollars on a pair of shoes, I guess, but you can wear a pair of shoes. Gotta look good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're the, paying the for that HD Rumble, man. More. Oh yeah, which, gotta I feel mean, those ice cubes. I haven't. I didn't get one to switch, so the only like 
minor HD rumble I've gotten is actually Blaster Master Zero because it has a different rumble pattern when you're charging your laser. Oh, so yeah. that's pretty much my sole experience with the HD rumble. But, I mean, that mm-hmm. seems okay. So yeah, far. I picked that up on uh, on Thursday, and I've been really enjoying that. It's been a good, like, like when when Zelda starts to feel a little bit too, like, overwhelming, or I'm like, okay, I need to take a break from just wandering for a bit, like, Blaster Master's been... Uh, it's a lot easier than I thought mm, it was going yeah. to be, uh, especially considering the, the how hard the first game is. But um, I wonder how much of that is just the fact that it's actually, like well-designed and has things that help you like like <laughs> save points and infinite lives and that sort of thing uh because yeah like blaster master going back and playing it now there, there's a core idea there but you can tell that there are a lot of things that it's just like the either the limitations of the system or the the sort of the way that games just worked back then you know you have three lives to get through the entire game and you can't save and um, also, the game glitches out whenever you get hit. So if you get hit, you fall down a pit and you die. At the end, oh like you, you know, <laughs> that, stuff like that. That reminds me. With all of the changes that they were making, I couldn't believe they didn't change how far Jason can fall before he dies. Oh the yeah, son of a bitch hops off a ladder two rungs too early and. <laughs> yeah, that's some Donkey Kong bullshit. It's Sad face. It's humorous. Uh, it's not nearly as an, it's not nearly as annoying as it was in the original Blaster Master because of the save points. In the original Blaster Master, I was terrified of ladders because you know mm-hmm. it's like make sure you were down there, make sure that Jason's feet have been planted on the ground for a solid like five seconds before you try <laughs> any kind of horizontal movement, or else you will hate your life. And you know, at least here you have the checkpoint to jump back to. But I'm mm-hmm. kind of surprised they didn't pick that as you know one of those little uh, rough edges they were going to sand off. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, maybe that's just their little nod because it, yeah. it is it is more generous than the original, but it's also okay. like, yeah. would Blaster Master be the same if you didn't die from stepping off a ladder too early? You know, no, like, it would be better. Uh, it's part of the core experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna, Making you hate I yourself. Mean, the original Blaster Master didn't have a, a cute girl with amnesia who repairs your tank for you. So, you know, I mean, we, we, can, take some, we can make some changes to the formula here. She has a tail, Same. too, right? She has a tail. Some Which, details. like you pointed out, is apparently some kind of weird trend right now. Yep, it's the uh, Switch Girls. Switch Girls got tails. Does Zelda have uh, a tail? I haven't gotten that far yet. Zelda does not have a tail, Are as far sure? as I know. I haven't beaten it, so I don't know if there's like some kind of secret ending. Like if I put in the Justin Bailey code, you, like Zelda has a tail or something. But <laughs> it's just um, the final scene where it's just a picture of Zelda smiling, and then a kind of a tail pokes up out of the corner, and it's like "to be continued." And that's the <laughs> cool. question the mark. The question mark. Yeah. <laughs> you type you type in Zelda as your name, and you get the second quest, which is Zelda with the tail. Uh huh. She um, can use it to swing around like uh, Diddy Kong. Yes. Yeah, that'd be uh, rad, actually. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Let's get Nintendo on the horn. That's, mm-hmm. like, make that DLC or something. Yep. Got a vision. Uh, so, Anna, you have not picked up a Switch yet. I have not. Uh, are, it's... are you not, like, a Nintendo person? Or is this just, like, like you're waiting for, for more games? Or, like, are you not into the idea at all? Like, what, what where? how do you land on the Switch? <laughs> where am I on the spectrum? Um, I, I will say I am not generally a Nintendo person. Um, didn't grow up with that 
as part of my gaming history, so it's it's never been something that really jumped out at me. So when it was announced, I, my, I fell into the, oh, that's kind of cool, camp. And that's still roughly where I am. Um, there's not enough for me to warrant buying it, especially because I understand the appeal of wanting to take those bigger, more uh, processing intensive console games on the go with you. But Nintendo has never convinced me that I want one of their handhelds versus my phone. And I game a lot on my phone. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I don't feel like there's enough for me to, to warrant that much of a hardware expense, especially when, again, I have pretty much everything else. I, I'm okay with this being the one where I, I go a little uh, FOMO on it. <laughs> well, is is there is there a point? Do you think that that would would come where you go like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll get one of these, or do you not see yourself getting one at all? Like, as you said, you don't have that. Like, like Mario comes out this winter, but you also you don't have that sort of nostalgic. I, yeah, I mean, I I've draw been, toward Mario. I've enjoyed the games that I've played of of Mario, and <laughs> I'm yeah, familiar with his work. It's like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm familiar. Um, but yeah, it's I, I think they'd have to really have a lot of games, and I think it would have to feel a little less hodgepodgey. Um, just where, again, there's maybe support for some of the controller systems on some games, but not others, and just, I don't know, it, it feels a little, mm, a little rickety in terms of mm-hmm. the expectations of, here's what I'm getting out of this, and here's this niche it's going to fill in my gaming life. Because like I said, for on-the-go gaming, nothing's going to really beat my phone. Have and you played Splatoon? I have not. That is okay. one that I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. It looks really delightful. As a, as a fellow Overwatch fan, I, I, I assume that you enjoy colorful shooters that are a little bit, you know, like, put a little Cookie. twist yeah. on, the, on the proceedings. So if you get was... a chance to try out the Splatoon 2 test fire, I, I think you definitely should. That is one that is on my radar of a... Uh... This game is interesting. I don't think I am so compelled by it since there is Overwatch to pick it up. Like I've got a Wii U and I could play the original with that. Should mm-hmm. I should I want to try it out? But I have heard that 2 is looking kind of like Splatoon 1 but all of it more and more delightful, more fun, better better design and such. So, yeah. Uh that that's on the maybe pile. Okay. How about yeah. how about Skyrim on the go? Would you? Would no, no, you no, no, be... no, no. Skyrim <laughs> is not meant to be played on the go. Skyrim is meant to be played sunk into your couch for ideally about five hours, and the only time you move is for your pee breaks and to get more coffee and maybe a snack. What if you're on a plane? Then I'm playing Civilization. That's it. That's the <laughs> then I'm playing Civilization, <laughs> or I'm napping. <laughs> That's that's fair. I suppose Skyrim on on a flight would be good. Um, yeah. All right. Fine. I'll, I will. I will. <laughs> I'll give you that one, Sheridan. You win this round. <laughs> See, I mean, I'm just uh, their commercials work. It's just like, hey, what about Spyrim? Spyrim. Skyrim. <laughs> but on a plane. And you got to think about it. It's a thinker. On a boat. You don't on necessarily say yes. On a train? No, not on a train. Don't be stupid. <laughs> but on a plane, definitely. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, that's kind of where I'm at, uh, as far as, uh, the Switch as a concept. Like, right now, um, 
it does have the killer app with Zelda, which we'll get into again in a little bit here. But it's also like it for me. It's less about being able to take it on the go and more about just being able to play a game like Zelda on the couch because like. You know, as someone with a family who likes to use the the tele the one television we have in the house, like if I'm hogging the TV, you know, there are words. My ki- <laughs> yeah, there are. You know, my my wife is like, well, I'm gonna be bored. My kids like, I want to watch Muppets. So like, I am burning through Zelda way faster than I would if I were just playing it on my TV because I would have to wait until like until my kids asleep mm-hmm. until like. Like, my wife is done with watching TV for the day, that kind of stuff. So, like, having that and even just sitting on the couch, like, and playing it next to them is, like, kind of a huge deal for me. Especially since, like, the Wii U uh, conceptually was cool, but it also had, you know, you take that thing five feet away from the system and you lose the signal. So... It, it was a nice step in the right direction, but it wasn't the the sort of the ideal. And the, the Vita also has the same problem, where it's like, oh, great, I could play PS4 games on it, but I don't have two, two extra shoulder buttons, so my fingers hurt when I try to tap the rear touchpad yeah. whenever I need to do anything. Um, also, if I try to play it in, like, the bedroom or in another room, hey, you know... I apparently have steel beams in my walls, <laughs> and my wireless signal just dies when I when I walk away from my router. So, um, it, it's having seems, the switch. Yeah, go ahead. It seems it seems very contextually great. Like there again, there's yeah. that I want to play this game on the plane. I want to have the mm-hmm. the ability to share the TV, and I I certainly understand the appeal of that. But I think unless there are several of those scenarios that you do run into every day. Like say you have a family or the connectivity on your other stuff is no good. Um, mm-hmm. the, if a lot of those scenarios are ones that you run into, then this really does seem like kind of a hallelujah moment of this is finally what we wanted. This is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I, I don't think this is something that makes sense for everybody, but it's right. just something that makes so much sense for Nintendo. Because, yeah. you know, for so long they haven't been going after the, you know, massive uh, performance capabilities. And they've been going, uh, you know, they've been uh, the handheld gaming company since, you know, 1990. Uh, so the, them finally kind of putting two and two together and just saying, okay, this is the direction we're going. And we're still going to pay lip service to 3DS, but, you know, I mean, come on. For the next, for the next year, we'll yeah. see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I mean, it, it's still a good like console for kids or something, like just a little Pokemon machine. But I really can't see the 3DS surviving by itself. Yeah. Much longer. And I wonder, I wonder what's gonna happen with Pokemon because, I, I like, I'm hoping that the rumors are true that they put the like Pokemon Sun and Moon that that mm-hmm. Pokemon Stars or whatever on uh, Nintendo Switch because I think like. Th- you want to see that that system fly off shelves, like that'll do it. But it's also like like the the Pokemon Company and Game Freak have this weird idea of what like Pokemon is supposed to be, and mm-hmm. I don't know if they see the Switch as a portable or a console because they they see like well the normal Pokemon games where you go around, you go to villages, and you collect Pokemon. Those are on portable handheld devices. 
and the other games that we like Pokemon Stadium or Pokemon like the Pokken Fighter or whatever it's called mm-hmm. uh, is um, like those are on console and I wonder if the Switch if they're going to see the Switch as a console and they're not going to put like Pokemon Sun and Moon on it and instead they're going to make like I don't know like Pokemon Stadium 3 or something and it's this like mm-hmm. crappy like half step version of the game that everyone actually wants. Yeah. Remember that weirdo one they had for the GameCube that was like specifically, oh no, you don't catch Pokemon because you don't pet catch Pokemon on home consoles. You you steal Pokemon and then you you <laughs> was it Pokemon XD shadows and then you can fight with them. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it, <laughs> they are a strange company, and um, like it'll be interesting to see how they approach the Switch, especially like within the next if they do within the next year or two. Um, but like to your point about it, sort of finding its niche, um, it actually the the sales for the system actually seem to be doing. Um, really well. Uh, I was looking up some numbers, and Famitsu has a report saying that uh, it sold 331,000 units over the weekend, which uh, puts it above the Wii U and, like, right below the Wii, I want to say, um, and the DS. So it's 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 not, like, Nintendo's best launch there, but it's, it's definitely up there. Um, whereas in the U.S., they're not, they haven't released official numbers yet because Nintendo of America is weird. Uh, but uh, Reggie Fizeme came out saying that within the first two days, it had sold more uh, units than the Wii did in the same amount of time, uh, making it the best launch that Nintendo's ever had in America. And you, so you have to wonder how much of that, like, because what were the launch games for DS? And what were the launch games for Wii that weren't, you know, Wii Sports? Yeah, launch games for DS were uh, like Super, Super Mario, Mario 64. Yeah. yeah, Feel the Magic. God, there's that like crappy dating game in the in 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 America anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and like the Wii had Twilight Princess. Like well, the Wii had Twilight Princess. The Wii, but... the Wii had Twilight Princess. But just, that was also a game that was on GameCube, and the GameCube was doing better than the Wii U was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, that's basically the point I'm driving at: is how much of Switch's early success is because we have this Zelda, and like yeah. as soon as all the people who have Zelda want Zelda, are is Nintendo going to keep selling Switches? And that's the yeah. question we don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, that that's that's the thing because like. Uh, Nintendo has they've they predicted that they're going to sell two million copies by the end of March, two million units, and I think that they could do that pretty easily. Like some analysts are saying that uh, two point five million is probably closer to the actual uh, number of units sold worldwide. Um, and yeah, like I, I'm just I'm wondering if that's like I don't I don't know if that's like the the Wii momentum. I I don't see that happening, but I. Uh, I don't like. Is there like an actual flashpoint for the system moving forward, or is this just the people who are like, okay, well, I want a Nintendo console. I don't want a Wii U because they said they're making a new Nintendo console. I'm just going to wait and I'll buy the new Nintendo console, and that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens because there, you know, we have Mario Kart Eight. Um, in March or in March in April, which uh, Mario Kart tends to do very well for them. And even though this is a re-release, 
again, not everyone had a Wii U, so this may be another point where a lot of people jump into the system to go, oh, okay, it's Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah I want mm-hmm. that. And take it on the go. Um, Splatoon in the summer, Mario in the fall. Um, plus, I'm sure there are a bunch of stuff that they're going to announce at E3 because Get Nintendo... Yeah, arms. I don't. That's not. Arms looks cool. It's not going to move units. No. I don't think. (laughs) Um, They seem like they're at least doing a smarter job of keeping that new games machine rolling so that it's not Mm -hmm. just the Zelda machine. Because that was my thought when both the Switch and Zelda first came out was Zelda was getting such bonkers good reviews that. And it was always reviewed on, on the Switch. So my thought was that it was going to just be a boom because of the Zelda excitement, but I'm I'm a little more optimistic that it's going to keep doing well, as long as they can maintain the, no, really, we, there's going to be more to do, there's going to be more to do. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful. Yeah, um, yeah like, N- Nintendo, a lot of people were, were sort of wondering what Nintendo was doing, uh, only announcing, like, two launch games from them and like spreading all these titles out because everyone's like okay well last year their wii u lineup wasn't great they must be saving everything for the switch and it doesn't like appear to be that way at least yet you know again we don't nintendo likes to keep things closer to its chest than it used to it doesn't announce things until a few months before they come out these days uh so it remains to be seen like what's coming for the rest of 2017 uh but I also think that they've done some really smart stuff with this, uh, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say the word, the Nindies program. <laughs> I always the, just hear Nindies when I, when I hear Nindies. <laughs> <laughs> Nindies, the Nindies. Nintendo independent games. Uh, before, like on the Wii U, it was kind of a bummer because it was great seeing all these games show up on Nintendo platforms, but they'd been on like PS4 and PC for like two years now, and it's like... I want to be excited that you're putting Jotun on this thing, but, like, that game's been on PC for a year and a half. Uh, That's another thing I wanted to mention. So far, it doesn't seem like they're doing the weird thing that they did for several Wii U games where it would come out in Europe, and then eight months later, it would come out Mm, in North America. Yeah, or vice versa. Yeah, Yeah. no, Nintendo did a lot of... Like, Nintendo Europe did a lot of weird stuff. Like, that Yoshi game came out in the summer over there and we didn't get it until fall uh-huh. i think um which is weird and i think that having the the system as region free will help keep the the release dates lined up more mm-hmm. um yeah or yeah because you know it's like it's really easy to just go on on the japanese eShop and buy a game and like like games like disgaea 5 complete are fully in english that you can <laughs> buy from japan right now which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they don't have like achievements or anything, so it's not like you're even really missing out on anything by buying it on another account. Yeah, yeah, no achievements, and uh, I think the only weird hangup is that like DLC has to be used with the same account that you purchase it with. Oh, yeah, but yeah. like any any game can be used with any account on the system. Um, it's weird, but like, yeah, so hopefully we'll see release dates, more, more worldwide sort of launches from Nintendo. Um, the independent games will help sort of fill in the gaps between releases because like, you know, everyone's at like, you know, where's, where's Nintendo's third party support? And like, I, 
I feel like this is it, the independent games, because the publishing landscape is so different than what it was back when the GameCube was big, right? Like, you had all these big third-party games making big AAA games for every system, and while there are still big AAA publishers, they're not as numerous as they used to be, mm-hmm. and they only release a handful of games, so it's like how else do you fill in the gaps if a company like WB or like EA doesn't want to put like EA doesn't want to put Mass Effect say on the Switch because it either doesn't think it can or it won't sell units or whatever I mean um, yeah if you look at Mass Effect Andromeda they would have to do a lot of work to get that on Switch yeah. or Shadow mm-hmm. of War it's just not yeah. you know they're not they don't it's not one to one the way right. that it used to mm-hmm. be and even then, like, is the Switch the kind of place for those sorts of experiences? Like, I remember, I like years ago, I reviewed a Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty game on the Wii U, and like playing multiplayer on launch day with like twelve hundred people total mm. on those multiplayer servers. Yeah, like who? Like no one buys a Wii U to play Call of yeah. Duty. It seems to make and more I've, sense to double down on that. Here's the unique experience that you that not only makes sense for the platform, but that this is something you will only get here because you know, like again, a Call of Duty or a Mass Effect is never going to only be on a Nintendo device. Right. So this this again this this that's the sort of thing that would get someone like me to buy it is when it's not just here's the new Zelda, here's the new Mario. When it's a uh, here's this other original thing. Yeah. And, and like, the the video, the, the presentation that they showed off uh, a couple weeks ago, I think highlighted a lot of the really cool stuff that they picked out. Like, they've they picked out some very Nintendo games. Like, Wargroove is basically Advance Wars, uh, made by someone else. Uh, then you have, there's Fast uh, RMX and Redout. Fast RMX is out, Redout's coming soon. Both of those are basically F-Zero um you know you have games like pocket fighters which are emulating like neo geo pocket color you have uh stardew valley coming which is portable stardew valley that Uh, that would sell me (laughs) yeah damn it (laughs) like them getting those kinds of experiences on on switch i think is a really smart move for them because they're not only are they sort of catering to that like nostalgic uh view of this the their obvious millennial push with the system but they're also um very just nintendo-esque game like games that were built by people who grew up playing nintendo games mm-hmm. you know which yeah, i think just like is like a shovel knight yeah it is an nes game yeah like it is uh, the, is... I, the platonic ideal of an nes game <laughs> Which is really cool because it's like Nintendo is able to then cultivate their own identity with these other like independently developed games, which I think is like it's really smart for them yeah. that they're that they're setting it up for this way. Um, we'll see if you know I I want to think that independent games will sell consoles because I'm the kind of person that would buy like I bought a Vita and I used it mostly to play independent games on the go. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the big draw for everyone else, but I think having those games there to sort of fill in the gaps between 
big releases is going to help Nintendo maintain a lot of its momentum. At least people keep people talking about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Until Mario comes out and until the the bigger guns come out and you know until we see what Nintendo has. They the Reggie Fizume is teasing like they have big stuff planned for E3. So I'll believe it when I see it. Metroid. <laughs> see how. <laughs> keep dreaming. Um, but yeah, uh, to close out the show, I, I, you know, I feel like there's still more to, to mine from the Zelda Breath of the Wild as far as, like, discussion and, um, how we're moving through this world and, uh, enjoying it, uh, how far are you into it, Connor? It's kind of hard to gauge how far people <laughs> are into it just because it's so, there's so much freedom this this game gives you. Um, like, how where are you right now? Yeah, well, I'm following kind of a blurry line around the critical path. So I uh, I got to Hateno Village last night, uh, and then I spent the morning consuming all of my stamina boosting foods to try to swim out to the shrine uh, that's out okay. in the ocean. And uh, spoiler alert: you probably shouldn't try to do that shrine if you only have four hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think that might have been a mistake, but uh, it's okay because, you know, it's, it's a fun mistake to make. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I've got about four hearts, and I've got one expansion to my stamina wheel. Um, okay. And, yeah, I'm, I'm still feeling good about it. You know, like, I, I feel I'm definitely going to play it more this weekend, but this weekend I, I'm not sure I'm going to focus so much on moving forward in the story. Like, maybe mm-hmm. I, I think I have one more thing I want to do. Uh, but I just really want to start experimenting more with the systems. Because I've been watching these videos of people just doing the dumbest shit, and it looks great. <laughs> like yes. you know, using turning cuckoos into me- weapons of mass destruction by just like dropping them into the path of an enemy's like massive swing, or you know, att- attaching a bunch of um, octorok uh, guts to a crate and just like riding it to Kingdom Come. You know, <laughs> things like that is is what I'm really excited about doing right now, and and. You know, when I have some hours to just sit down and not think like, oh, okay, I've only got 15 minutes. I want to actually get something done. Then that's what I'm looking forward to do. Mm-hmm. That sounds wonderful. God, it, yeah, <laughs> it's so, and it's so weird that we're talking about Zelda in the same way that we talk, like people talk about Far Cry 2 mm-hmm. or Metal Gear Solid 5, you know, just this like, like, oh yeah, no, I, like, um, one of my buddies uh, posted up this gif that he saw of a guy trying to surf down a hill on a pot lid. The second the pot lid hits the ground, the pot lid breaks, Link goes tumbling down the mountain and then dies at the bottom of it. <laughs> and it's like... just good old-fashioned fun. Yeah, and it's just like... Have those. It's like seeing those moments from GTA where it's like, Oh, a car just comes in and smacks you, and it's the screen says "wasted," but it's mm-hmm. like it's Zelda. Like, I, I have to tell you, the so ragdoll, the ragdoll on Link is might be my favorite feature of the game. It's very, it's it's good. It's some good ragdoll. Yeah, um, because he just he just flops. Like it's not like the old days of ragdoll where they just kind of unrealistically skidded around, like they didn't have any weight. Like no, he kind of rolls and flops. Like it's really painful <laughs> but delightfully so yeah. delightfully yeah. so yes yeah it's all you know colorful and cartoony and you know they make goofy noises when they fall but yeah it's uh I, at first i didn't know how to feel about this game uh just because like i you know i grew up 
playing Zelda, and I grew up. Uh, my my first one that I really played a lot of was Link's Awakening because I had a Game Boy, and that was uh, that was sort of my my entry into the series. But I also played a bunch of Link to the Past, and then Ocarina of Time, and on and on and on. Um, and after a while, you like you just you sort of get used to like this is the formula. You know, you go do the overworld, you do the dungeon, you do the you get the item that will let you solve the puzzle and then you can go back and like oh this thing this treasure chest that i couldn't reach before now i can because i have the tool to complete it but zelda like breath of the wild's not like that at all uh there are a couple things like at the very beginning you get your handful of tools and you're but then after that you're sort of set out in the world and whatever tools you find are basically of your own making using the physics and the systems and working together and uh, you know eventually you'll find stuff like bomb arrows and but like i remember walking out and like and killing a bad guy going oh i have a bow now just what would normally be this big grand moment in a dungeon that would Mm -hmm. let you solve all these puzzles is just 10 minutes in you kill a bad guy Oh, I have a bow and arrow now. Like mm-hmm. that's so it's so strange. And um the more that I'm I'm exploring it and like the moment I got off that plateau, I think was the moment where that game was like, okay, yeah, I am I am 100% down with everything that this game is trying to do. Um how like do you have that sort of same connection to the to the series? Like when when did Zelda click for you, Connor? Uh, well, the first Zelda I played was probably also the first game that I ever really engaged with on a level that was deeper than, you know, just like kind of pushing buttons and playing along with my brother, which right. was uh, A Link to the Past. Um, and I, I didn't actually beat it because I was only like three or four when I was playing it. But the thing that I loved to do in A Link to the Past was just wander around and especially in the, the field that's south of Link's house. Because I, I don't know how many screens it actually is. It's probably only like maybe 10 or 12. But it feels massive. And I just right. loved roaming around it and, you know, like slashing all the bushes and list, looking for hidden things. And, you know, just it, just whiling away the hours doing that. Something that I would never, ever do in later games just because I, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't going to find anything that cool. <laughs> like maybe I'll find a hidden cave where I can find a piece of heart but it's just not that compelling anymore, and I've only got a limited amount of time. But right. Breath of the Wild, you really, you know... In, in Breath of the Wild, you're, you're not going to find anything that totally changes the game, but you are going to find things that, you know, make you appreciate the effort you put into it and make you want to look over that next hill. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that, 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 that is kind of like a good callback to what got me into Zelda in the first place. I mean, that's kind of the hallmark of a good awesome. open-world game is where you want to have that... Let me look in this corner. Let me see what weirdness is over here, and that. Yeah. Yeah, this this is. And like. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, uh, you go ahead. Uh, I've been talking all day. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. So, as someone who, uh, embarrassing revelation, I have never played a Zelda game. I tried to play Ocarina of Time like two years ago, and just did not speak that visual language, and got really frustrated, and decided, screw that. Um, but this is a game that speaks to so much about what I like in in gaming and that sort of just total immersion where you just lose yourself in 
the music in the music and the whole setting and the, the look of it and in the and in this kind of progression of getting more awesome and getting more yeah you, you get so you get cool. so deep in it you just never want to let it go you know yeah and that's yeah. that's that's why I, I like my Bethesda games and my Blizzard games is because they just they put you in that mind state of never wanting to leave and from what mm-hmm. I've seen of videos so far and talking to other people who are lifer Zelda fans this this is the one that I would start with even so like this this yep, is going to be a my, my gateway drug i think <laughs> my one i'm shot. so sorry i've been, I've been doing m&m for the last two minutes mom's spaghetti you own that mom's um, spaghetti. own that yep yep all right but yeah like uh, the thing is with with zelda is that i think that Zelda does borrow a lot from skyrim uh in just in the, the sort of the general structure and the the way that it just the world sort of beckons you to explore and i think that zelda makes a smart choice in um letting go of some of the the granularity of something like skyrim because like skyrim you can walk up walk into a house and that house has a table and that table has chairs and that table has uh, place settings and the, there's a cabinet nearby and there are books on the cabinet and there are there's a bowl of fruit and you can interact with every Everything. single thing you can you can pick up forks and knives and be a weird fork and knife hoarder and claim a house in the middle of the forest and put all your forks and knives and put so many in there that the game just breaks because it can't handle it um, it's so great and i think that like that's a really cool thing for skyrim to do but in in doing that Elder Scrolls games have a, a reputation of being kind of janky. Kind of, well, kind of is... Oh, they're really janky. Generous. Kind, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, that's That's generous. part of the appeal. No, <laughs> right. Uh, and I think that, like, Zelda trades some of that for applying this level of polish to the entire game that I don't think I've seen in an open world this size, like, ever... Mm-hmm. Um, the game has not crashed on me once. I have not gotten stuck in scenery. I've not fallen through the ground. I have not. Um, there. I have not experienced a broken quest line. I have not experienced floating people. I. It. It is. It is one of the most insanely detailed. Uh, maybe not to the level of Skyrim, but the fact that like the, the world is feels so handcrafted. And that there are so many little handcrafted puzzles everywhere um, in this world, but yet still has that like same level of polish that you get from something like a Super Mario game mm-hmm. is you know like the frame rate's kind of janky on the Switch if you're playing on TV mode, like it, because it's pushing 900 p on this tiny tablet, and there are some spots where the frame rate just takes a nosedive. Like, it just, it's it's like, wow. Um, but uh, since I've been playing mostly on the handheld, I haven't really seen a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been, uh, it's just been, like, such a wonderful experience to just run around and look at this mountain and then climb it and then sail off of it and just have the game let me do that, but also not break under the weight of my own decisions. Right. Um... Well, I also, also like, uh, I have Skyrim for that experience. I don't want right. Zelda to do that. I like that this game seems to offer that. It's the open world experience where you can go anywhere, but it's also just its system seems so good. Like, I've heard people mm-hmm. just raving about the cooking in this game. 
Yeah. And that's the, tell me more. <laughs> I, I would like yeah, to and, cook all these dishes. <laughs> and it's like, and it's, the thing is, like, the cooking itself is really simple. You just, you go in your inventory, you hold some food, and you throw it into a pot, and it cooks. Like, there's not really a lot to it, but you can look at all the different ingredients you've picked up, and it's like, okay, well, this will give me some... Like, th- this one says, oh, it's good for building up cold resistance, and it's like, this one will add more health, so if I put those together, maybe I'll get a dish that will let me, you know, get through harsh, cold environments. Um, yeah, it's, it's and, kind of a creative making, instead of just, uh, yeah. let me do this weird, dopey shit, like you do in yeah. Skyrim. It's, uh, let me try this, let me puzzle solve, and that mm-hmm. that seems so wonderful, and that's the sort of experience that I feel like... I personally have not necessarily found an open world game yet. Like I'm still working on Horizon and I'm enjoying that for the story and for the beautiful art. And obviously I love me my Skyrim for my janky weirdness. And <laughs> so this this is one that I actually do have on, on my list of uh, once I finish Horizon, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm gonna pick this one up because it, again, like you said, it's so polished and such a unique take on this kind of open world game. Yeah. And I love the way, too, that it just, it, like, uh, I wrote up an article that's on the site now that you can read, but it's basically, like, it has the courage to let you get lost by not putting icons on the map. Mm-hmm. Like, w- there are towers. Like, there, there's a lot of stuff from even Ubisoft games where you're just like, oh, no, they put towers in this game. I have to climb the tower to reveal the map what are you doing but then you do it and all it does is reveal the topography it doesn't tell you where anything is but you can look at the topography and go oh hey there's this mountain with a path leading to it i wonder if there's something over there and then you get there Mm -hmm. and there usually is something there and you 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 just hang out up there and look around and just drop stamps like that's what i do whenever i climb a tower is i just look around 360 really carefully and i see something glowing in the distance i'm like oh that's a shrine i'm gonna stamp that for later so -hmm. you actually are making your own ubi map but it's just the things that you're actually interested in so it it doesn't feel like at once overwhelming but like entirely uninteresting that yeah, the, I'm not going to say all yeah. Ubi maps are like that. Yeah, it is empowering. Yeah, it's yeah, because like the, it has like the there is so much stuff in here. Like there are tons of side quests that you can find. There are over. I think I saw I I put in my article over 700 because that was the number I remember seeing. But I saw something that said over 900 of these little Korok seeds that you can find. They're little like you solve a little puzzle in the environment, and this little woodland creature gives you a seed that you can then. Um, hand in to increase one of your inventory slots and there there are hundreds of these strewn about the world and i'm like trying to envision what this would look like if it was a ubisoft map (laughs) and i think i would probably kill myself um like i'm getting flashbacks to assassin's creed unity where it's just this like vomit all over your screen Mm -hmm. but like zelda doesn't do that it lets you actually find that stuff for yourself so it becomes your discovery not the game because even like horizon zero dawn as cool as that game is like i like i had issues with it oh it's got map bloat for sure i yeah um but like i generally enjoyed my time with that game but the thing is is that these games there's a there's a guy you buy a map from and it's not expensive and it's right at the beginning of the game you spend like a couple shards and one of your little items that you've probably gotten already and it just tells you where all the collectibles are on the map 
it's just like here's the general area and it's like mm -hmm. the actual act of finding that collectible is literally go to that area turn on your your little heads up display look for a purple outline go run to it and pick it up yeah takes the joy like, that's out of it. as yeah um and the thing is is that by taking that away and i think also not having achievements helps in this too is that it feels like, like, I don't have the same urge that I get with open world games where I want to hunt down and find everything and get that platinum trophy or whatever, or, you know, find all, like, God, if I went on a quest to find all 900 Korok seeds, I, again, I would, I, I would go crazy. Like, you would, I would have a straitjacket on and they'd be carrying me away, go, I can't find the last one! <laughs> Where's the um, last one? But, uh, yeah, like, by taking all that away, by taking that map load away, and by letting me experience the world organically, I've found myself more inclined to poke through the, like, into places that I normally wouldn't explore, because if you know where everything is, why would you go to this corner of the map if there's nothing over there? But now I'm like, oh, well, there's this little, like, the, the, the map screen shows that there's this weird little rock outcropping over here. I wonder if there's something over here. Um... And you just go there, and, like, if you find something cool, if not, it's like, well, you know, I've made that discovery for myself. And, like, the fact that a Nintendo game in 2017 is the, the one doing all of this stuff is one of the most refreshing things I can think of. That Like, like it's the kind of game that Nintendo needs right now, I think, because they have this perception of being this... Oh, you know, we, we're going to put this thing in our Mario game that makes it so you can't die because we want everyone to enjoy our games. And, like, not that that's a bad thing. You can engage with that, whatever. But it also means that, like, they want they want these experiences to appeal to everyone. It feels very you know? modern. I think that's, that's what yeah. really stands out with me for this game. Because usually, even if the, like, the art looks more contemporary, sometimes in newer Nintendo games, it's still, they feel old. They're trading so heavily on that nostalgia that, right. you know, that's that's great if you have it, but if you don't, and that's not a selling point for you, it just, it, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel as gratifying. And something like mm -hmm. this, where they've so embraced so many of the other ideas and other work that other game studios have done to try these new systems and these new ideas that's i think that's a big part of the appeal is that it's this character and the story that are still i think probably familiar for people who really like the franchise but it's mm -hmm. such a new such a modern take on how to present but it them. still feels nintendo like and that's that's kind of the biggest thing for me is that it doesn't feel like a game made by ubisoft or a game mm -hmm. made by like uh, you know, by anyone else, it, it feels like a Nintendo game, even though it incorporates these ideas that Nintendo's never done before, yeah. um, which is awesome. Does it still yeah, feel? It has, it has their, it has their fingerprints on it, like the the chemistry. You know, like I was talking about before. It's like everything you do is so. Uh, it feels it feels like they anticipated you doing it, and they're like, ah, you thought of that. Well, here's what will happen, even <laughs> if you know. There's no way they put a, could have possibly foreseen me attaching balloons to this crate and actually floating over to the island and raining bombs down on all the Bokoblins. But, you know, the, the, the care that they've put into the way the systems interact, it still feels like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like, like it, it, it feels the same. Like, I get the same feeling out of this that I got when I played 
Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain because it's like that's a systems heavy uh, game that still feels like someone was there placing all these things in such a way to make it feel like all of this was meant to happen even though it all happened organically. Mm-hmm. God, it's like the fact that I'm like we're talking about a Zelda game like this after a game like Skyward Sword. Um, you know, pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I like. I, I wonder where they go from here, though. Like, do they just do they double down on this for another Zelda game and make a even bigger systems-driven game? Do they uh, scale it yeah. down? No well, like, does this uh, still side scroller again? Side scroller again. <laughs> That's classic. Does this still feel like a real Zelda game? Yeah, like it does and it doesn't. Um, it definitely feels it, it feels like a Zelda game. It, it has that same sense of adventure and like grandiosity, and the the writing and the the way that everything is presented has that like Zelda touch to it. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, does Nintendo go back to the mm-hmm. you know f- for the next one? Do they go back to the well? We make okay. We we did that when we got that out of our systems. We we blew everything up. Now let's go back and put the pieces back together and we make like, you know, overworld dungeon, overworld dungeon and come up with new ideas for items and weapons and like structure it that way. Like find new ways within that formula to do different things rather than just doing another open world systems driven sort of, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And the fact that I don't know where they go from here, I think is exciting as well because like... It could go either way. Yeah. Yep. Or it could go in a completely new direction. Who knows at this point? And they I go think from like here? they apply the same critical eye and make a new goddamn Metroid. Yeah, that's <laughs> what they do. They better. They better be. You can dream. You can dream, guys. <laughs> Federation Force Two coming to Nintendo <laughs> Switch on. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if Federation Force Two was the Breath of the Wild of the Metroid series, but nobody bought it? Because it was Federation Force Two, I think. I think if if they if they sold it right, if people actually saw it and went like, oh, okay, yeah, that's Metroid. <laughs> I think I think that that would be okay. I just I feel like, and again, that's an interesting point because Federation Force is is like a very different kind of game than what people expect. In the same way that like Breath of the Wild feels like a very different game than what people expect, but Federation Force does not feel like a Metroid game, whereas Breath of the Wild feels like a Zelda game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know like what, what Nintendo has to do to achieve that same feeling. And I think it's just maybe going back to the well and going like, okay, well, what makes Metroid special? And I don't think that answer is four-player co-op shooter. Mm-hmm. Or having to shoot doors to open them, or, you know, like, hey, you fight space pirates. You know, it's it's the difference of trapping versus spirit. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that Federation Force really carried the spirit of Metroid on all that much. Whereas Breath of the Wild rids itself of many of the trappings, but that spirit of Zelda that's been there since the beginning is, like, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of set free by that. Yeah. Blast Ball, though. No, we don't talk about Blast Ball. We don't talk about Blast Ball. Um, (laughs) All right. I think yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us this uh, this week. Thank you for joining us uh, for dealing with my uh, inability to host properly. You did um, great. I think I did okay. You did yeah, great. Yay. Fine, David. Fishing Staff for forwards. compliments is fun. <laughs> Staff um, hosters. 
But yeah, if you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at GamesRadar, or you can follow me, Dave Roberts, at David Robots. You can follow Connor Sheridan at C underscore Sheridan. You can follow Anna Washenko at Anna Gets Pithy. Am I right there? That is right. Awesome! Yeah, I did it. Yay! Uh, and and yeah, you can follow. You can check out all of the writings and things that we do on GamesRadar.com. YouTube.com/slash/GamesRadar has our video content. We've have some Horizon Zero Dawn and Breath of the Wild guide videos and things up there that you should check out because we put work into them and we would like you to watch them. Uh, anything else you guys want to plug that you you've been working on this week? Uh, well, James James did a, a video interview with all of the people from Kong Skull Island, and he, I, I I haven't seen the movie. I heard it's not very good, but this video interview is very yeah. good. You should watch that. It. Inter- that interview is good. It is a good yeah. interview. Yeah, go to that uh, YouTube channel. The video team for Games Radar is just bonkers great. <laughs> They're so funny, so smart. Um. Yeah, I think that that does it for us. We'll be back. Uh, Anthony will be back in the hosting chair after his excursion from PAX East, and I'm sure he will have all of the things to talk to us about, maybe tell us about the hat that he ate. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a story behind that, but apparently he's supposed to eat a hat. All right, then. Um, that should be great. But, yeah, awesome. Uh, catch you next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs> See you. Bye.